Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and today's guest is the co-founder of Ego and East, and she sounds like Victoria Beckham. <laughs> Welcome, Reem Kanj. Hi, Noor. I'm so happy to be doing this with you, and you're teaching me a lot of tech things right now. This is super cool. Literally, I know nothing <laughs> about audio or tech, so In maybe... Fact, where even are you? Australia? Oh my God, no. I wish I was in Australia right now. I'm in Florida. Oh, you're in Florida. Okay, fine. So what time is it I there? have to know. Why did you think I was in Australia? <laughs> I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea why I thought you were in Australia, but I think it was because... Did I say that when we were DMing, when I was in Bali? I, you might have said that to me. You okay. may have asked me if I lived in Australia now that I think about it. But <laughs> no, I'm in Florida and it's 10.46 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning. Oh, nice. Well, I'm yeah. in Dubai and it's 7.46 p.m. on a Thursday night, which is equivalent to a Friday night everywhere else in the world. So it's a really fun way to start my weekend. <laughs> I'm so glad. And yeah, I, as I was like, I was telling you before I lived in Dubai. So I remember like Friday was Thursday, which is very confusing to ever. Why do they do that? Like, why is that a thing? It's very um, confusing. Well, I think the technical answer is that it's a holy day. So Friday oh. is off and everyone, no one really works. So Thursday night is kind of like a Friday night and Friday is a Saturday and your Sunday is a Saturday, which was just the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around because I lived in London for 13 years and Sundays were so sacred, you know, like I would have my Sunday roast, I would go to the flower market, I would do absolutely nothing. And now Sunday is a working day and it's, it's still difficult for me to grasp. That seems really disorienting, but I also... Now that I have someone from London, I can ask you, what exactly is a Sunday roast? Because I hear people talking about it and I don't know what it is. Okay. Well, it is the, it's either like a chicken, lamb or beef in the okay. oven, roasted with roasted vegetables, roasted potatoes, gravy. It's very literal. <laughs> yes. Very literal and stuffing. It's, it's essentially like a Thanksgiving dinner, I imagine. Um, yeah, that's Thanksgiving, but like every Sunday, that's insane. <laughs> but every Sunday, exactly. It was just amazing. And honestly, as a vegan now, it's probably the only thing I think I miss. My sister was like, we were in the supermarket two days ago and she was like, can we just do like a veggie roast? And I was like, yeah, we can do a veggie roast. <laughs> like, she was like, I just want stuffing and gravy. I'm like, yeah, that's plant-based. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, stuffing and gravy are <laughs> probably the two favorites. Stuffing gravy and mashed potatoes, honestly... Everything else I can kind of do without. So right. my niece is a vegan. And so I made sure to get vegan pumpkin pie. My mom always makes like all these vegan options for her. Um, but I want to I want to talk about your veganism in a little bit. But I really quickly want to just make sure everyone gets to know you a little bit. And then also, you know, we're still we're getting to know each other as you guys can hear. <laughs> she thought I was in Australia. I love that for me. <laughs> Um, so where were you born? Okay. So I was born in Dublin in Ireland. Um, myself, my two siblings were also born in Dublin, but mm -hmm. mainly for passport reasons. <laughs> my, parents, okay. my parents wanted us to have really good passports. Um, we're Lebanese originally, but unfortunately it's not a very strong passport to hold. So yeah. they just wanted to make sure that we'd never have any issues in life. And to be completely honest with you, it's the best gift that they've ever given, given us. Um, 
I've never had any issues traveling anywhere in the world. Apart from Vietnam, it's the only place I think I've ever had to like get a visa for. And I was like, what is a visa? Like, what do you mean I need a visa? Like I'm Irish. Yeah, I have a European passport. But um, yeah, I was born in Dublin, Ireland. And I spent the first seven or eight years of my life growing up in West Africa, which is where my parents grew up. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Sierra Leone and Gambia. And it was a really beautiful childhood. I had the most fun there. And then as soon as we were old enough for school, my mom moved us to the UK and my dad stayed behind in Africa to run his businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so you went to like primary school, secondary school, all in London. Everything actually in a little town in Cheshire, in Manchester, which is like very suburban, super cliche, like cute. um, And the opposite of what I wanted. Like I I remember being (laughs) 14. It's great when you're a kid, by the way, because like I just, my childhood was just spent riding my bikes outside, like before, you know, phones. Honestly, same. Yeah. Yeah, It was amazing. I rode a bike every single day after school like the first thing I did was I came home I changed out of my uniform and rode a bike for like two hours it was amazing I would play basketball I would rollerblade I would skateboard I would do everything um and now you know I've actually sometimes think like I hope kids are still like that but I had the best childhood just like playing outside and I guess that's perfect living in a suburban small town and not like a big city like London but um Yes. When I was 14, my mom took us to London to go and visit her aunt, who is actually weirdly younger than her. <laughs> and um, Oh my God. That's very Arab though. Like that's Arab. actually, yeah. Like my niece is 24 years old. People constantly don't realize that I'm her aunt. They're that's, like, what yeah. do you mean? It's a trip. Yeah. It, even for yeah. me, I'm Arab and I'm like, what do you mean? Like I don't it's get it. It's confusing. It's very yeah. confusing, but she was super cool. She was actually... I believe divorced. I was only 14. So I didn't really, I was just over here. I wasn't really told much, but she was this stunning woman, lived in this incredible neighborhood in London, um, had this fantastic life. I think she either had a really cool job or she ran her own business. And my mom made me go to the supermarket with her. I was like, oh, fine. And we went (laughs) and I remember exactly where it was. It was like M&S, which is Marks and Spencer's Simply Food. We love an M&S. We love an M&S. So obviously she was living some kind of high life going there. It was the one in West End, like on Oxford Street. We went in and she grabs a trolley and she's like, okay, read stuff from this list for me. And I noticed that everything is like individual. And I was like, this I asked her, like, don't you need to buy more stuff for, you know, like your family? And she was like, yeah, it's just me. I'm just cooking for me tonight. And and then she was like, Reem, remind me when I go home, I need to pay my electricity bill. And I was like looking at her just in this awe. And <laughs> I couldn't believe that this woman, this Arab woman was like paying yeah. her own bills, buying yeah. stuff from the supermarket just for her. She didn't need to worry about anyone. She was just kind of like living her best life. And I was like, I fucking want this. Like I want to live in London. I don't want to have a family. I don't want to do anything. (laughs) I want to be paying my own bills. And it was the first time she was my first real life depiction of an Arab independent woman. Who's happy. Who's happy. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to move to London. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to pay my own bills and I don't need to get married. 
because up until I saw her, everything I'd seen was my aunts, my cousins, like yeah. everyone was getting married. My aunts were super young when they got married. And it was just what I was led to to believe that you just yeah, kind the of the norm. The norm. Yeah. You go to yeah. school, you go to university, you get married, you have kids, and that's it. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is like a whole new realization to me. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, like this is so wild to me because you like the way you just told that story is the way my sister Reem would have told the story. So I don't know if there's some type of Reem connection, but like your vivid <laughs> childhood memories, like she's constantly like, do you remember this time? And she'll remember every detail about it. And I'm like, how the hell do you remember this? But I, know, um, I, I think that that's actually really important. And, and things like that do kind of shape you in a way like your first impression of, you know, a single divorced woman kind of does shape the idea of, you know what I mean? Of like what it means, because if you were to meet someone who was like super emo about it and just mm-hmm. like trying to get married, because I've met a lot of Arab people like that, who like the second they are divorced, they're like, cool, where's my next husband? Right. I cannot live without a man. Yeah. And when I was younger, it was just confusing to me because like we said, like I was telling you earlier, my sisters have been divorced before and that wasn't kind of how they went about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people who like the second they're divorced, they're just like, okay, where's the next man? Like dad, get on this. Like everyone get on this. Like you need to find me something. I need to replace this person in my life because what's the point of my life? And I've had conversations with my own cousins and, you know, I'm 30, I'm not married. And they literally like are baffled by my existence. Mm -hmm. Like they think I'm miserable. Like they genuinely, and I'm, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really happy. I love living alone. I love, you know, only having to worry about myself. It's such a luxury. Like I feel like it's genuinely such a luxury to like literally only have to worry about taking care of myself, being able to take care of myself. Like, what could be more luxurious than that? Like, honestly, like I I just, and, and I, and I, you know, I had these conversations and they, they can't fathom it. Like, it's like they, their brain is already wired in such a way that they think that if you don't, you know, follow these steps and, you know, go to school, get married, have kids, then like your life is empty. And I find that really sad, which is, I think, how they feel about me, that they think my life is really sad. But I'm like, I kind of feel like that's a little sad. But at the end of the day, though, like, I still do kind of respect a woman's decision to do whatever makes her happy. And if that's what makes her happy, then, you know, more power to you. But I do still kind of feel like these people only feel this way because they've never experienced anything else and they've never been exposed to anything else. So, like, this is this is kind of the only option that they think exists exists for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah. I think Uh that's the main takeaway is being exposed to other options and, Mm -hmm. and not just the reliance of a man. Um, whether it's your father or your boyfriend, fiance, husband, you know? So I think a lot of that goes down to how a woman envisions looking after herself and if someone else is in the equation when when she's answering that question so for me I've always had this craving of I want to look after myself I don't want anything from anyone like be it my father or my boyfriend or my husband and financial Mm -hmm. independence has always been an ambition of mine. Education has always been drilled into me by my mother and independence in general by my mother. But she's also 
bless her, like the token woman of Arab, like cliche culture. I love her yeah. to death and she's my best yeah. friend. She's literally my biggest support system and the woman I look up to the most in the world. She's one of the strongest women I know. But even oh. she is, you know, very much like, I, I don't know if you understand Arabic, but if we're at a wedding. I speak like, Arabic fluently. Oh, yeah. perfect. She's like, and I'm like, mom, yeah. don't say that. Like, I do not need to be told, God willing, you're oh my next, God. you know, like. I got into a fight with someone about this like three <laughs> months ago. Like my uncle's wife, I literally, she said that to me and I was like, please stop saying that to yeah, me. Yeah, it's she was so like, condescending. It's so condescending. And I know that's not her intention, but oh my God, it enrages me. Cause I'm like, why is this the only like thing you like envision for me? Like, this is like the pinnacle of success is exactly. getting married. And, I and I'm like, yeah, it's just the way <laughs> they were raised so they don't know you know, I know. It's, it's different so I can't even yeah. be mad at her for it like yeah. I get it but um yeah I think being exposed to different possibilities not adhering to everything that your society suggests is yeah. is also very important yeah and and I do also like have to you know the thing is is like you have to be kind of reasonable and like yeah like the environment my parents grew up in is not the same environment I've grown up with and my parents are a lot older than I am because my mom had me when she was 40 I was definitely an accident she did not (laughs) intend for this to happen she tells me this regularly Um, no I'm joking but she she definitely did not plan to have a baby when she was 40 years old and so the way my dad thinks about things and like and I love my dad literally he is my favorite person but like when I try to like, cause he is just, his idea is like, if you're not married, who's going to take care of you if I pass away or if I'm not there, who's going to take care of you? And I'm like, Baba, like I can take care of myself. Like Mm -hmm. you raised me to be able to take care of myself. And that's one thing that I really do appreciate for my parents is like, they are very like stereotypically Arab. They were born and raised in Gaza. They were born in the forties. They are old Arab people, but they're very progressive and they're very educated. And so my dad really did always teach me how to do everything by myself. Like I know how to change the oil in a car. I know how to change a flat tire. I know how to use a drill. Like I know how to do everything that a man would basically bring to the table. Like when you think about it and it's because my dad had no sons. Well, he has one son, but you know, like he (laughs) wanted to teach someone to do all these things that he knows how to do. So he just taught his daughters. And I think that that's another reason. And I tell my dad, I'm like, you raised me to be this independent and take care of things by myself and not need anyone. Like you did this. Like yeah. you can't, you can't expect me to then want to go rely on some guy just because, you know, he has some money. Like I'm not interested in that. Yeah. And, you know, I just, my mom is definitely a lot more understanding about it though. I think she's had a little bit more of a unique experience. She's very stereotypically Arab in a lot of ways, but she moved away for college at a young age. She then like got her master's. She got her PhD. She did a lot of things that like people in Gaza were just like, what are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what's wrong with your daughter? Um, so I think she gets it and she kind of supports me. Cause I, you know, I basically told her, I don't want to get married just to be married. I want to marry someone because they are the right person right. for me. And if I don't find the right person that I'm okay on my own. And she fully gets it, which yeah. is insane to me that she can get it because she's a 70 year old Arab woman. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's, I do feel like 
I'm lucky in that way where I don't have someone constantly like hounding me because I know that that's a thing. But you know, my dad goes through his phases every few months. He'll be like, so Noor, what do you think about these guys? And I'm like, oh God, dad. <laughs> my dad God, does the please. same thing. He's all, every time he calls me, he's like, no boyfriend. I'm like, you'll be the yeah. first to know, honey. Like, yeah. trust yeah. me. But um, and I it's, get it. It's so- yeah, it's so funny because I feel like when I was younger, like every, my parents were like, don't talk to boys. And now yeah, my mom yeah, is yeah. literally like, she's like, have you met anyone? Do you know anyone? Oh, you're going to New York. Is there a guy there? I'm like, mom, <laughs> what the actual fuck is going on? Like you literally my entire life told me not to talk to boys. And now you want me to just like, you know, run yeah. around and talk to every boy who's like, I don't, it's, it's very funny though. I but. know. And I think they also feel the strain of being a single 30 something year old woman running a business <laughs> yeah. and, you know, having standards. It's like, it's slim pickings. Like there are not that many yeah. guys that, you know, reach my it's level bleak. of what yeah. I want. So it's bleak. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. listen, mom, if there are guys like, trust me, I will let you know, but yeah. Yeah. It's tough out there. <laughs> and, and, and that's something that like, I feel like when I was telling you earlier, like, I like your energy. That's the vibe I get from you. Like this girl knows her worth and like, not like in a cocky way, not like in a negative way, just in a genuinely like you, you know, you co-founded a company with your sister and you, you're, you're kind of like living your best life. And that's not to say that I think your life is like perfect all the time, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like you, you seem like a routine person and you seem like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're taking care of your body, your fitness, your health. And I feel like those are all to me signs of like someone who's like really building a good life for themselves. I, because I, I'm glad you, you noticed that. That's nice to hear. And I agree with yeah. you. I feel like In fact, it's something if I was to date someone, like them working out is a huge thing for me, not because they need to like have abs, but because it shows discipline and it shows some kind of focus. So for me, like my sister and I were in a fight the other day and I don't know what we were arguing about. I was disapproving. You can never say. (laughs) I was disapproving of something she was doing and she turned to me and she's like, listen, I'm not you. I don't treat my body like a temple like you and I was like <laughs> and then I just stopped fighting and I was like you think I treat my body like a temple she's like yeah you do like you barely drink you work out all the time you're vegan you're this you're that and I was like yeah oh my god I do and I was so proud you're of like, myself like you're like oh my god thank you so much like I love that's <laughs> that is such a nice yeah, thing to say exactly and I was like wow she's right I have never considered that you know I always kind of give myself a hard time and my friends will tell you I will be all day if I feel like I didn't do well in like I went to Bali on my friend's fitness retreat and I hadn't trained for three weeks because I was in the States and just being so lazy and (laughs) and then I went to Bali and we did the first workout and after the workout I just went to the bathroom and cried and my sister was like don't tell me you're crying I was like I'm crying and she was like why I said because I didn't perform well and she was like are you joking like that was the hardest workout you haven't trained for three so I give myself like a tough time sometimes but yeah it's hard to see the progression it's hard to see you know the the success in which you're like achieving things the rate in which you're achieving these successes and it's nice to hear that I guess is what I'm trying to say because no I 100% think that it's something that is kind of like overlooked like my sister she does cycle spin whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. every day sometimes multiple times a day and like 
she's always the number one person in her class. She's crazy. Like, I will admit she's a lunatic. I've gone to cycle with her before. I'm like, you're absolutely the most terrifying person I've ever seen in my life. Like you, how can anyone this small be so scary? I don't know. But she's always number one and she still is so hard on herself. Like she'll come back. She'll be like, I just didn't perform as well as I could have. Like, I don't know what was wrong with me. And I'm like, you were literally number one in the class. And she's like, I know, but just, you know, I just didn't feel, and she'll get really upset about it. But I think that it's because it's, she does want to always kind of do her best and she is so critical of her performance and she knows what her best performance is. Mm-hmm. And so she's always kind of comparing it to that. Yeah. But but that's not I, a good thing. So I want to see, yeah. like, I relate to her. I also see it. My sister and my mother have a yeah. chat with me all the time. They always say like, you need to chill. You need to chill yeah. because yeah. your mental health is more important. And clearly there's something wrong up there if you feel like yeah. you're not doing well by training oh. five times a week, you know? So I t- and I, tell her all the time I'm like um she's like cycle is my therapy I'm like nope it's actually it's not you should really go to separate therapy that is not your therapy actually but and and the thing is is like because you know just like how your sister and your mom know you really well I know my sister really well and I'm like it's not like I could just tell her like oh ease up on yourself it'll be fine it's something that she needs to like really work on you know what I mean because she's that critical in general of herself, not of anyone else. She's like the nicest person, but she's just very hard on herself. And I'm just like, dude, you gotta, you gotta relax. Yeah. Like you gotta take, it looks like you just smoked meth and then decided to cycle. Like <laughs> literally, like when she's cycling, like her legs are moving at such a fast pace that you can't, it's a blur, wow. but uh, it's, it's crazy. But okay. So when I want to talk to you about so many things, mm-hmm. but when did you and your sister decide to start Ego and Ease? Like, I kind of want to hear the story of that, which, so Ego and Ease is like a talent ma- management company. Yes, yes? exactly. So, okay. okay. So I had a blog in 2009. I graduated from university and I had like this, this, I decided to start a blog because I couldn't get a job. It was like the f- crisis, the financial crisis, like the whole world was in disarray. Like no one was yeah. hiring anyone. It was just so depressing. And I was living in London and I wanted to originally be a, a designer, a textiles designer. And, um, no one was hiring. I was like, great. Okay. I found out what a blog was and I started one and I decided to write fashion stories about the fashion industry and models and designers and events and whatever. And it actually took off because of my obsessiveness and like my, I'm not good (laughs) enoughness. Like I was just working my ass off and really connecting myself to people and doing the rounds at events and learning how to do fashion week. Anyway, the point is the blog kicked off, but my audience was very modest. It was not huge. It was not taking over the world. The blog was receiving great traffic. My social media game was not that great. As I was telling you earlier, like I'm, I was a Blackberry user for so long. (laughs) So I was so late to the game with Instagram and I didn't really know how to cross over the blog with Instagram. It was just a weird phase. So, but in saying that I was making a lot of money and I was signed to this agency in London and I realized one day that they were pocketing more than they were taking from my 
projects. So their commission was yeah. a certain amount, but then they were taking excess. And that was because they were not ceasing me in emails. So when a brand gives them a price, they would tell me a different price and take the commission oh, off shit. that. Yeah. And they're stupid because I knew everyone in the industry and I would go for coffees and lunches with the PRs and they were really close friends of mine and they would tell me how much they spent. And I would, I didn't ask, like they would just bring it up. And then I was like, what? Like, that's not what I was invoiced for. That's horrible. Super sneaky. So when I told my agent, like, CC me in the emails, they said no. And I was like, that's a load of bullshit. Like, it's my business. It's my voice. It's my project. Like, I want to see not just how much money you're quoting, but I want to see the language you're using. I want to know the semantics. Mm -hmm. I want to know the tone. I want to know how professional you are, how quick you're responding, all of these things. So then when they disagreed, I told them to terminate my contract and they tried to, you know, make things hard for me by saying, you know, you won't get as much work. I was like, don't worry about it. I went, um, I went self-managed for a year. My sister and I just did everything ourselves and it was a little bit scary at first, but then we handled it super well to the point where our peers in the industry. So my friends would be like, Reem, like no offense, but I have like three times your following and I make nothing compared to you. Like, how do you do this? And I was like, listen, honey, it's all business. Like it's all about negotiation. It's how you position yourself. It's the words you use. Like there's an art to negotiation. It's not just plucking a number out of thin air and, you know, sending it across with the angels, hoping they say yes. Like you have to have a good rapport. You have to have, you know, good skill sets. So it, I told my friends, like, listen, just send me an email. Let me help you with your emails and I'll, I'll, I'll help you get the deal you want. And so we did that a couple of times, obviously from the goodness of my own heart. And yeah, it became what an angel. <laughs> <laughs> I love helping people. Like that's also a thing. Like I genuinely love giving advice and, and being there for people, especially my friends. So I did that a few times and then it came, became like a little bit of a joke. Like, oh, you should be my manager. And I was like, I love the sound of that, you know? So (laughs) we turned it, I told my sister about it and she was like, you know, she was living in Dubai. She was like, over here, the industry is buzzing and I think you should do it in Dubai. So let's do this in Dubai. And so that's what we did. We launched Ego and East. I met, I went to a showroom. I'm one of my best friend's showrooms in Paris and this blogger walks in who I'd been following for ages, who I'm sure everyone listening has heard of. Her name is Asya and she's a badass woman living in Kuwait. Yeah. And I overheard her say, I'm looking for a manager. So I said to my friend who is a mutual friend of ours, take me to her hotel room. She was like, (laughs) okay, cool. Like she will, she'll love you. Like, come go to her hotel room. She was staying at the plaza. She was there with Dior knock on the door. I'm like, listen, I want to manage you. I know I'm like no one to you. Like my company is zero years old, but I know what you need. I'm an, like, I come from this world. I know how, I know what you need. And she was like, yeah, I need a manager, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, she took three months, three months to get the attention (laughs) of. And one day after giving up, um, chasing her, I was sitting in my car. I was about to get into an, walk into an event and she calls me and she's like, can you come to Kuwait next week for a meeting? And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> and then oh my God. Just after three, three months. After three months of just like, you know, are you still interested? Like, remember that combo yeah. we had in Paris? Like it was not easy and nor should it be because she had 
you know, she has a great thing going. Like, why would she just welcome someone into her business? And, but anyway, the point is I went to Kuwait with my then ex-husband, well, my now ex-husband, my then husband, and we signed her and it was great. And it was a great relationship for a really, really long time. And we don't work together anymore, but we remain friends. And so she was our first proper client. Um, and which that, is huge. huge. That's huge for your first client. That's Sup- actually ex- wild. Yeah, super huge. It was Asia, and then a few months later, it was Delalid, who is an equally amazing woman living in Kuwait. Oh, yeah. And honestly, we just had the most fun, like the most fun figuring it out. And our agency was always about transparency and putting our talent before anything else. So they're CC'd in every single email. You know, they're really the core of everything we do. Um, every bad experience we've had, we don't try, we try and avoid that 100% with the ego and because we know what the influencer wants, you know, we've been on the bad side of things. So exactly. Yeah. So I feel like you have like a unique experience in that, you know, what it feels like, you know, what you wanted from your management, you know what I mean? And I think that's what probably is what makes it work for you. Like, and you have that like, kind of like extra thing is because well, number one, you're very hard on yourself. So I'm sure you're hard working. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're super hard working, but also like, you know, just no, being on the other side, I feel like does kind of give you that leg up because a lot of times from what I've heard from friends, I've never had management just because of like, I've just heard such terrible yeah. things. Like, and that's, that's the norm. It's you usually hear super negative things. It's very rare that you hear someone say like, oh my God, I love my management agency right. so much. It's very, it's a, it's very blood sucky work. Like I have to be yeah. honest. And sometimes that's why I was super strict about being a management agent, management company and not an agency yeah. because agents and managers are completely different. And that's true. Yes. So we always wanted to come from a place where we are your extended team, your extended voice, your head, your everything. Whereas an agent is kind of like, do it, do it because it's a good yeah. project. Like do it. And yeah. Yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. I'll do yeah, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're pushers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very hard. So, I mean, it's not an easy decision to sign with people. It's also a very difficult decision to sign people. Like Natalia and I yeah. are super picky. I think we're quite notorious with how picky we are. And our agency <laughs> has remained so small. And even employment, we have zero employees because we just, we want to keep... You're too picky. We, well, we want to keep this family environment where our clients... WhatsApp us at any time of the day. We have groups with everyone and we have such great rapport with everyone. You know, they're like friends. I would not, I, I couldn't even imagine it any other way. I couldn't imagine it in like a nine to five format, like only email between these hours and no yeah. phone calls. Yeah. It's very much like we go to our clients, kids, football games. Like we travel. That's so nice. Yeah, it's very close knit and it should be because they're trusting us with such sensitive information. We're building their businesses yeah. with them. So yeah, that's the whole vibe that we want to create. And I'm, I'm happy with the way it's going. I mean, honestly, that sounds, that's really nice. And I think that that's also very rare to find, you know what I mean? Like someone who's going to be so involved with your life, but it makes sense. And I think that that's so lovely. And it also like, I feel like your ego niece is a reflection of you in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's really unique and really cool. But, um, so you and your sister work together. What's that like? Okay. So (laughs) it was not easy, and it yeah. never will be 
um, now it's kind of more smooth sailing because I feel like you have to be on the same level of thinking as someone you're in business with. And my sister and I are both going through a lot of things in similar ways. Like we're both kind of opening our minds to the same ideologies. Spiritualism is kind of on par with each other. And all of these things help, you know, we have different techniques in the way we work and we have to accept that we're not going to do things the way the other would do them. We also have to accept that we have different roles and different visions for the business. But I think that's beautiful because it, is giving it this unique touch and it's not stagnant and it's not too linear. Um, yeah, but it's not easy. And you really do have to, it's been, it, it, we've had some really hard times, um, but it's been a great learning curve. And now I feel like we've got a really lovely synergy and synchronization when it comes to ego and East and the way we deal with problems and s- solve them and how we tackle new ideas. You know, I'm more of like the, oh my God, like I have this amazing idea, like let's do this and forget everything yeah. else. And she's more like, okay, calm down. Like we have the, you know, like, <laughs> she's more the logical one. I'm more like the free spirit, like yeah. gamer. So together we, we kind of ground each other. It's, there's a balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really cool. Yeah. My sister and I worked together for like three and a half years Mm. and like we fight a lot we're like a year and nine months apart so we're basically we tell everyone we're twins all the time we're not (laughs) twins we look nothing like twins but we're just like let's just simplify this we're twins and even we would be we fight all the time Mm -hmm. like just we we are always butting heads but at work like as soon as we're at like it's just you have to kind of turn all of that off. Yeah. Even if we're in the middle of a fight, like you just, you can't be in a fight no, at work. Like that's just not it, a thing you can do. No, and you have to um, bite your tongue. Like there was this really funny time. I wanted to slap the shit out of <laughs> Natalia. Like we were at this event and one of our clients, Karen, was doing a meet and greet. And we just knew this meet and greet was going to go fucking crazy. Like kids were going to yeah. go, they were going to start like, stabbing each other in a minute so we were both on edge and just before Karen was pulling up Natalia was like really stressed out and she was speaking to the PR and the PR said okay well I just need something and Nat looked at me she's like Reem go get this thing from da 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 and I was looking at her like okay sure thing like I went and did it (laughs) and then the PR left and I went up to her and she was like so I think that went really well and I looked at her I said if you ever fucking speak to me like that in front of a PR again and she was like oh my god I'm so sorry I had no idea I was so caught up in the moment I was like it's okay just like I'm not your assistant you know it was just but you have to just are you older than her by the way I'm two years older but I have to admit like she is way wiser (laughs) That's actually so nice to hear because Reem, my sister, if you're listening, admit it. I'm wiser than you are. <laughs> She's gonna Just love admit this. It. Like I I loved I do big her up a lot, but now my sister is Aww. she I think I think it's because I went through my divorce and everything. Like she kind of took the yeah. role of big sister and she hasn't yeah. let that go. So it gives me a lot of like room to be the one that's a bit more fluid in my rational decisions. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. so I can admit easily that she's very wise and very logical and, and just a great woman. That's so sweet. Uh, and, and also like, 
just, you know, so what, how long ago did you get divorced and like kind of what was, what was that like for you and how old were you? Um, okay. So it was extremely shocking and devastating because it came out of zero place. Like I had been married my, I, I, okay. So I did my Islamic wedding, my kids, my kids, a big tip. I did that in, yeah. 2014. So I was married at like, uh, I want to say 27, um, religiously. And then we didn't do our actual wedding until 2016 because he and I wanted to pay for it ourselves. Like I didn't want any money from anyone. And so we paid, we saved up. And when we had the money, we wanted the budget we wanted for the wedding we wanted, we had our wedding and it was absolutely beautiful. It was just perfect. I've seen it. It was, it was beautiful. I'm not, I can't even lie. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was in September of 2016 and I left him June, 2017. So nine, nine months later, I was 30. I just turned 30 a few months before I was actually in Asia's house in Kuwait when I decided and, um, it was life changing. I mean, my life, as soon as I made that decision, my life just changed. Um, and it took about 14 months to get a divorce, which was really stressful. Um, and that's kind of like twofold because the civil marriage that we did in the UK, which registers you as a married couple by law, wouldn't allow us to get a divorce until we had been legally married for 12 months. So I had to wait three months. Are you serious? Yeah. I had to wait three months before I could even file. And then in Islam, you don't really, unless you make a point of it prior to getting married, the woman doesn't hold the right to divorce. So the man has to agree. And that took a while. So, um, yikes. Yeah. Hate that. <laughs> yeah. So that took a while. And so I ended up getting my divorce in August, 2018. Yeah. August, 2018. So I've been divorced for over a year now, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. but unfortunately we're still in some legal issues. Um, and as soon as that's done, I can't wait to fucking talk about it, but <laughs> just, just because like, there's so much I want to say about yeah. this process and I will never disrespect my ex-husband and I'll never like talk about why in too yeah. much detail because I just don't want that kind of energy around him or yeah. you know anything, but it was not a great situation for me. And until everything is kind of signed, sealed, delivered, I don't yeah. want to mess with anything. But yes, so I was divorced two years ago, almost. No, a year a year ago in August. And um, dealing with that has honestly been life-changing. I'll tell you why. I was with him from the age of 22. I was with him since oh, wow. for eight years. So that's your entire 20s. I left him at 30. And to be single at 30 is one thing. To be a divorcee at 30 is another thing. And to be single at 30 as a divorced woman in an age where there are dating apps and social media and human connection is like almost gone (laughs) in like that sense. Literally though. It was the strangest, strangest scenario for me to be in. I was not used to 
dating, I had absolutely no idea what a fuck boy was. Like I was just like in this <laughs> sea of like anecdotes and yeah. like, words and things. And I was just so lost and so confused and just naive and crazy and scared and excited all at the same time. Like it was a bit of a mess. 2018 was a bit of a mess. But um, <laughs> now I think I've wrapped my head around the idea of what it is to be a single, successful, grown-ass woman. And yeah. I'm kind of owning it now. But it was scary for a while. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, and that, cause that's the thing you were, you were with someone for most of your twenties. And I feel like those years are so kind of crucial. And like, it, it, no matter how strong you are, no matter what type of person you are, you can't, it's impossible to be with someone for that long and just be like, okay, like, bye. Yeah. Like, imme- you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just like, unless you're like some type of weird robot, like yeah. I just don't think possible like you're a human being at the end of the day and this was someone who was with you for so long and and so I think that in itself is and and like you mentioned like it's one thing to be single at 30 and it's kind of like another thing to be single and divorced at 30 but like as far as like you know your community around you I don't know how what that's like but were they like accepting was there like any type of like weird backlash so it was Okay, so it was really weird because the first thing I noticed was I have no one to relate to. And I have like an aunt who's divorced and my cousin, my cousin Lena, who is one of my biggest role models in life, she was divorced, but she actually got remarried a month before me to this guy and it's wonderful for her. But I didn't have anyone my age that had been through something like that. And my story of why I left him is so fucked up and unique that it, that on its own was like a trip. So yeah. I went home and my mom was just devastated when I told her. And then my dad was in Africa for work and she, I didn't want to tell him because we were going to like, you know, in a few months, like start trying to have kids. And I, that was something yeah. I really, really wanted. Like, and I still really want to have children. And yeah. I guess my dad has always, always, always wanted grandkids. So I was terrified to tell him because I knew he'd be heartbroken. And when I called him and told him, he was like, no, 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 Baba, like, it's okay. You're going to get back together. Like, you're going to forgive him. You're going to forgive him or whatever it was. I was like, listen, dad, like, there's no way. He's like, no, 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 just give it a week. And he wasn't making it any easier because he was asking me to accept things that as his daughter, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you think this is okay? And then... I guess when he came around to the idea, he was like, you are never going back, you know? So yeah. And your dad is a human too. And that's the thing. It takes people time to fully process things. And I feel like, yeah, like it's not like, you know, uh, like even in like I'm sure your dad was probably you know like in shock I've been in scenarios like that with my parents where I'm like why are you even saying this to me right now and then like a week or two later they're like oh no 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 no," and I'm like okay so I guess what I learned immediately was it's also for other people so for my parents it was their own remorse or their own grief or their own whatever and for me it was my own so it's I had to let them deal with it the way they wanted to deal with it. And there was a time I remember, like, I was in shock. Like, okay, the best thing about it was I lost so much weight because I was just like not... Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was in shock for two weeks. I didn't speak to anyone. I was just 
by myself trying to make my decision. Like, am I going to leave him or am I going to stay? Like, this was my decision, time to make my decision. And then I remember like casually walking. My sisters always lived, when my parents lived in Dubai, my sister lived in the building opposite them. And I was staying with my parents and she had her own place. And I remember just walking over to my sister's place and my mom was there and they were shocked to see me outside of bed. And they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I just came to hang out. And I went and sat on the couch and they were just like looking at each other. Like, what do we do? Do we say anything? Does she want to eat? Does she want to do this? And I was like, can I have the phone? And I picked up the phone and I was trying to make an appointment for my nails. And I was like on the phone and the girl on the phone was just so slow and so annoying. And I just burst into tears. I was like, I just want a manicure pedicure. Like, why can't I just make the appointment? And I started to freaking out. And then my mom and my sister are like, she needs to sleep. No, she needs to eat. No, she needs to go out with her friend. And I was like, guys, I'm right here. Like you can just talk to me. And it, it was, it was just this weird sensation of feeling like, because you're going through something like this, like you're obsolete, you can't do anything. And to give them credit, I was in a really shitty place. And I was like in a state of shock, I guess. So they had every right to be worried. But it just reminded me that maybe I'm going to have to deal with people treating me like I'm some kind of like damaged goods for the rest of my life. And the way it sparked this fire in me to be like, no, like I am going to be fine. Everything is my decision. This is not something anyone is forcing on me. I have the right to make any decision I want to make and no one is going to influence that. And I made the decision by myself going off of two feelings, how I felt as soon as I woke up and how I felt as soon as I went to sleep, because I don't know about anyone else, but those are the times where the pangs of anxiety hit me, where it's like, 100%. Oh, there's unfinished business or, Oh, don't forget to do that thing. And I just felt at peace. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Like, I feel fine. So I was like, okay, like I'm leaving him and that's it. And then I made a vow to myself that I would not be this bitter, sad, lonely, depressed woman and that I would take charge of my life and change it. So for the summer, my sister and I went on this incredible safari. We were off the grid for a week. It was just remarkable. Came back, I went to Beirut for the first time. I went to my home country, Beirut, Lebanon, for the first time since I was 14 years old. That's 13 years of being away. And I was just, sorry, 16 years or whatever. I don't know how to do math, but whatever it is. We don't, I can't do math either. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And I was just blown away by Lebanon. And ever since then, I've gone back like every single month. Um, I went to New York, okay? And New York was in September. And I was like, okay, so we booked New York in June for September. And I was like, New York is where it's going to be. New York is where I'm going to meet a guy and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to flirt and I'm going to go on a date and it's going to be great. (laughs) And then New York happens. We fly our best friend out with us. Like it's a girl's trip, me, my sister and our best friend, Joelle. And we're in New York and we make these reservations at all these great places. And I have like my new Balenciaga thigh high boots and I'm like ready to hit the town. (laughs) And then I'm just like, it's full of single girls and gay guys. Like, what is happening? And my yeah, that's what I was gonna be like. I'm like, um, do you know something about New York that I don't know about New York? Like, where, like, where is the story going? Because I'm like, was, I've never in New York encountered a man right. and thought to myself, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So I go back to the hotel room. We had dinner at some great restaurant. We go back to the hotel room. I sit on the bed, and I just start crying. And my girls are like what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? (laughs) And I'm like, 
I just like I I just thought there would be guys everywhere and they were like what do you mean yeah. and they were like welcome to single life like it's not fun and I was like oh god I am single and yeah. this is it hit you yeah, it hit me in that hotel room on that night in New York City with my best friends and I was like okay here we go this is going to be interesting yeah yeah but it's nice that you it you have that support system and that's something that like I always feel super, super grateful for is having a support system because I, even though, you know, you were saying you were like, everyone was kind of treating you like you were damaged and you had to kind of tell yourself, no, that's not what I'm going to be like. I still feel like having them, having these people around you who love you and care about you is still kind of like vital to that. You know what I mean? 100%. And it's so nice to like, be able to cry and have these people there. And even though they're going to tell you like, yeah, this is singlehood, like you still have these people there who are going to comfort you in some way, shape or form. And, and I think that I I love that story so much though, because like, I, I, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like, what I think happened was my parents then saw me in a different light because not even they could relate to what I was going through. And I think that was the point I was trying to make earlier. Like I didn't find anyone that I could relate to, not even my mom and dad who would be my saviors and everything. And it's not like they could say, I understand what this must be like because they didn't like no one understood how devastating it was to have to end something. And also like I had just posted all of my wedding stuff. Like there was also the angle of like, what are people going to say? And you don't understand how horrible it was like getting DMs. Like, aren't you married? Where's your husband? I don't understand. Like, why are you out? Why are you not with your husband? Like, and I'm just like, first of all, who gives a shit if I'm not with my husband, if I was still with him. And secondly, how invasive, like it really reminded me of the, the bad side of social media where you do. And to give them credit, like, okay, fine. They might have a point to ask me because I shared in the first place. So they feel like they have a right to ask, but it was just a reminder of, I'm going to have to explain myself at one point. And I didn't want to say anything until he'd given me the course. So for a year and a half, I didn't say anything. And I guess people were just kind of lingering. And even now, like Karen, my client, who's also a very, very close friend of mine was, like telling me the other day, she's like, Remy needs to do a video and talk about like everything you've been through. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And it's something I'm putting off so much. And I don't know why, but I will eventually go around and do it because I feel like women need to know that this is okay. You will be fine. You can do whatever you want to do. Women and men, if you are in a bad situation, if you're in an unhappy situation or something has just expired, it's okay to say it didn't work. You know, Um, even if you have publicly announced it or shared images or whatever it is. So that was difficult, not having anyone that understood, but then my friend's I went and told them face to face individually and they were just all incredible, like so supportive, so there for me in any way I needed them to be, whether it was like, we'll go out and have dinners and I can tag along on their date nights or whatever it was. Like, it was just so cute. Um, yeah. And then I went to LA by myself last summer and I made some friends who, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you know them like Tanya, Serene and Pam. Arias, who actually used to be Pam Hetlinger and just changed her last name back to her maiden name because she was my first divorced friend. And it was great to meet a woman who is my age 
that had been through the same thing and she wasn't of poisoned and living in like a shed somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think that's what, what all humans kind of crave is when they're going through a difficult time, they want to kind of find someone who they can resonate with and who's kind of going through the same struggles, even if it's not, you know, identical, but just to know that like, okay, there's like, it could be like this. It doesn't have to be this really shitty, horrible thing. Like it can be, it can still be great after this. And also just before we move on, there's the reactions from people who you don't know. So when you say, Oh "Oh, I'm divorced. I remember once I was actually seeing this guy and he introduced me to his sister and he was, and we were talking and I was like, Oh yeah, I I got married there or whatever. She's like, you were married. I was like, yeah, I'm divorced now. And her initial response was like, congratulations. And her brother was like, don't say that. Like, that's rude. I was like, no, it's not rude. It's great. Not rude. You know, so she got it and she's young. So I was really happy to hear her kind of like get the tone from me that I'm okay to be able to say that. And then there's the other people that, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Which I also understand because they, they don't want to disrespect something that is a, is a sad thing. But, um, you know, there's, there's definitely ways in which you can come out of things and either make it good or kind of dwell on it and attach yourself to the situation and victimize yourself. So I did not want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And and I I like how you just phrase that, like attach yourself and then victimize yourself, Mm -hmm. because I feel like sometimes it feels easier to do that when in reality, I think that that sets you back so much when you like kind of allow yourself to feel very victimized. And like, I've been in a you know, I've gone through, I was in a relationship for like three and a half years. I really don't usually talk about it. And it's one of the things that like, I feel like I need to talk about because it was such a fucked up situation. And I feel like anytime I talk to someone about it, they're like, Nor, you have to talk about Mm -hmm. this. But like, it's one of those things you have to feel like it's the right time to talk about it. You know what I mean? And like, you don't want it to make it out to be like, Ooh, poor me. But it's more so just you want other women or anyone else in that situation to kind of feel like, okay, that's really fucked up. And like, you know, she's fine. Um, But like, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's very refreshing to to hear you say that because it's so true. Like if, if you, if you allow yourself to be victimized by a situation, it really does kind of determine your healing. You know what I mean? And I think it's okay to, to, to definitely recognize this situation sucks. Um, you know, maybe I didn't deserve this, all of those things. That's fine. But also realize I control my emotions and I control these things in my life. And these are the things that I can control. So what am I going to do going forward? Right. It's, and it, how am I? Yeah. It doesn't have to be your narrative and you can change your story. And for a while yeah. it was mine, you know, and I was very kind of attached to it and I wasn't ready to let it go. I was always like, no, like I'm going through a tough time or you don't know what it's like. I just want him to sign the papers. I just want this to be done. Like kind of just keeping it alive through my own storytelling of it or my own, like that's, that's the way I define myself. I'm going through a divorce. Whereas it doesn't have to be like that. Like you can really come out the other side. So yeah, there's a lot more to be said, but we don't want to make it like a divorce podcast, do we? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. The episode will not be called the divorce podcast, but, um, 
Okay. I, I kind of want to make it. I had no idea what a fuckboy was because that's my favorite thing that you said. I had no I idea didn't. what a fuckboy was. My sister had to explain it to her. I'm like, what? That's so mean. And she was like, yep, look out for them. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. Yep. There's a lot. Yeah. And yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. you notice them with red flags. So, yeah. Which are oh my invisible, God, by the way. You just have to have some great red flag radar. Oh, my God. I have no red flag radar. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what my problem is. I literally like I thought I was a smart person and then I'm like what how did I not notice these things oh, yeah. what is what is wrong with it's me? called infatuation uh, yes exactly infatuation <laughs> love goggles if you will yep. just blind you to all of these giant red flags that are just <laughs> in your face like blaring but um I want to touch on okay so you recently switched to plant-based veganism are you fully plant-based or are you just kind of majority plant-based Okay so I tried to go vegan last year last November this time last year and it lasted okay. 3 days and I think it was because <laughs> I was doing it for selfish reasons I wanted to like be a vegan and I wanted to just like be skinny and whatever and then it's always been on my mind and recently like over the past 18 months I've been very kind of like self-educating myself on the situation with the planet and what's happening around the world and our oceans and everything and kind of realizing just how devastating the effect of meat the meat industry and the fishing industry is and when I learned about the cattle industry back in 2015, I actually became, sorry, in 2016, a few months after my wedding, I became pescatarian because I said to my wedding plan, I was actually having dinner with my wedding planners and we were talking about the cattle industry and she was like, it's so bad. I was like, if it's so bad, I'm not going to eat meat beef anymore. And she was like, let's see how long you last. And I lasted three years, like pescatarian, no meat, just fish. And then I just always knew the fishing industry is even worse, but I wasn't ready yeah. to give up sushi. Okay. That was just yeah. like the bulk of it. I was not ready to give up fish. And finally this year, I actually made a friend, uh, when I was traveling in Mykonos and he was vegan and I was so impressed with his dedication. I was like, if this guy can do it, like for sure I can do it. Like I'm going to go back. I know all yeah. the facts. I know how much better it is for the environment if you're vegan. I know what you save. I know everything. Like I know this is going to be good. And for me, I can't exactly cut down on my traveling because I travel so much for work. I'm still a consumer. I can I cut back so much. Like I do not condone overspending or over shopping or anything like that at all. Like I I even try not to promote any of that on my stories or whatever, because I just don't think it's a good lifestyle. And, but there are definitely things I can't cut back on. You know, I still drive a car. I still get on a plane. Of course. Yeah. Whatever. So I was like, what's the biggest sacrifice I can make to lessen the damage I cause on my planet. And I know that being a vegan reduces your carbon footprint by over 70%. It saves millions of liters of water every year. Like it's just it's huge, huge, huge sacrifice. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking do it. I came back from yeah. Mykonos, didn't tell anyone except for my mother, because if I told my mom, I was going to shave my, okay, fine, not shave my head. Cause she would never <laughs> let me do that. But if I told my mom I was doing anything, she would have my back. So I just went into the kitchen. I was like, mama, please just don't cook anything with butter. 
or dairy or meat for me. And my mom's very healthy anyway. So she was like, oh, dear, yeah. I would never do that anyway. Why? And I was like, I'm going to try and go vegan. She was so happy for me. I was like, but don't tell anyone because the thing is this vegan word is like some kind of stigmatized label. And it's just people automatically think you're an asshole. You know, I don't know why it's, you're not wrong. It's, that's, that's a hundred percent true. And, and if I didn't know people who were vegan, I don't know if I would know any better because it somehow became this synonymous with veganism is like being an asshole, yeah. which I'm just like, what? Exactly. How did this become a thing? Yeah, and I think it's because some people do get preachy, you know, and fine. Yeah. If you're very, which I now as a vegan, I understand why you are preachy because you're just trying to get everyone to do it because it is fantastic. But I don't want to yeah. come across that way. And the second you say vegan, khalas, like people are just, they're, they're on some kind of God. So yeah. I didn't want to tell anyone, not even my sister, my brother, or my dad. And then we'd start going out for, to restaurants, to sushi restaurants, and I, would, I wouldn't tell my sis. And she's like, sure, you want to split like a spicy tuna? I'm like, no, yeah. I think I'm just going to do like veg. And she, she was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like since when? I was like, babe, um... I'm plant-based now. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, I've been, I've been vegan for a week. She's like, how? I said, I just didn't want to tell anyone because I don't want anyone to like throw me off my, my, my goal right now. You know, yeah, my dad, yeah. babe, every day he would tell me in Arabic, I'm not going to repeat it in case I just say it wrong, but He'd be like, Shu Baba, you're still eating this, uh, this thing. I'm like, what do you mean this thing? It's not a thing. It's just, I'm not eating meat. And he was like, yeah. yeah. But what do you mean you're not eating meat? You don't want to have my roast beef. You don't want to have this. You don't want to have that. And I was like, dad, it's not a big deal. Like I'm going to be fine. And he just didn't get it. And I was losing weight. I was looking great. He's like, you're losing too much weight. It's this vegan thing. Like he's just so against it. And I guess for old school Arab men, they're like, are you crazy? So hundred percent. Yeah. I get it. And, and food is such a, like food is so important to Arab people. I know food is important to a lot of different cultures, but like, it really is my mother's love language. Like she, it's comical how much food she offers to us constantly. Like it's not normal. And like, my niece is a vegan and literally my dad thought she like lost her mind. And then he kept, cause he's, so he was, he's a retired doctor. And so he kept telling my niece, like, you're not, you're going to be deficient. Yeah. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. So my niece was a vegan for, I think a year at this point, she went and got blood work done. She like came back with all her results and she's literally not deficient in anything. anything. Yeah. She's actually super, super healthy. And my dad could not argue yeah. with it. Like he literally, he like, what can you say at that point? Cause he was like, you're not going to be able to get enough protein. You're not going to get this. Which is what everyone not. thinks. And it's just so not the case. She eats way more protein than I do. Like just because you think, oh, meat protein, but like the amount of protein that you can get in other things, like in your quinoa and chickpeas in yeah. what's that thing she's on everything. Oh my God. It kind of smells like cheese. What? Uh, nutritional yeast. Okay. She puts nutritional yeast on like everything. Yeah. And apparently that's protein. And, and like my mom, I will say she immediately was like, okay, all right. And she started making separate food for my niece that, you know, was vegan. And for the longest time she would fuck up here and there. And my niece would cry because she was like, oh my God, I just drank chicken broth. And my mom was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It just didn't click in my mind that, you know, it's just broth. And yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah, so yeah. sorry. And yeah, she, she, the thing is, is like, 
I, I kind of am, I think at the position that you were at before you became a vegan, which is like, I know that it, it's something that I'm aware of that's, it's causing so much damage to the environment. And I know that the meat and dairy industry is so horrible, but like, I just, I'm not ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fine. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I, I just, I'm at the point where like, if I can make a plant-based choice and if there's the option, I'm always going to pick the vegan option. You know what For I mean? Sure. Like if it's available to me. And I think that is like kind of, I'm easing myself into that direction of just kind of being more conscious about it because it really does make such a huge difference. It does. And the thing is, it's a lot of people have been asking me, like, how did you do it? Because I'm trying yeah. and I'm just not there. And I was like, listen, don't force yourself. Like at the end of the day, yeah. you have to, my answer to them was, I have a cause that I'm doing this for. I'm not doing this just for me. You know, like the benefits yeah. are wonderful. My energy is through the roof. My body has never yeah. looked this good. And I really quite um, adhere it to vegan because I'm just not eating fat, you know, like there's very little fat that I'm eating in my meals. Um, so I'm losing weight and I, I have energy. My skin's great. My hair's great. Everything's great. And I'm loving it. And for me, I've always been very into my veg and very into like grains and things like that. So it works for me, but had I not had this deeper cause and this mission that I'm on to like save the planet in any way I can through my own personal choices, I probably wouldn't be as strict. And I have to admit, it's only been since the end of July when I was in LA, for sure cheated, like 100%. Because the last time I was in LA... I was pescatarian, so I didn't get to try it in and out. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try in and out just to see what all the fuss is about. Turns out, yeah. it's not that worth it. So I'm fine. It's really not. Exactly. It's really, I, I will never understand. Like, I remember being very excited to try in and out. And then I had it. And I was like, this is literally just like a fast food burger. Yeah, yeah. It's just very hyped. So, um that's it. Like I allowed myself that cheat and I was fine. I didn't die and the planet didn't erupt. Like it was fine. So you can not put a label on it. You can do the things you need to do to make good choices. You don't have to have the pressure of like becoming a vegan or whatever it is. Just be aware of your decisions. And it's not just about being a vegan. Like with the water you drink, the coffee you decide to, how you consume your coffee every day. Like I know I'm bad. Like I still never take my reusable coffee cup out with me because I always forget it. And I'm always using takeaway cups. Like that's so bad. So there are still so many things I'm not perfect at and no one ever will be. And I just think the pressure of the label vegan is too much for some people. And I think just do things in your own capacity with moderation and balance yeah. and you'll be fine. And and I that's kind of my approach to it all. And like you'd mentioned like you don't bring a reusable cup. And like I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh I, I don't I don't buy coffee out anymore. Number one, I think most coffee shops have terrible coffee. Mm-hmm. Um and I just like making coffee at home. But then a lot of times I'm using an espresso pod and that's also yeah. not great yeah. because I mean and you're supposed to, they have a system where you can recycle. recycle it, but, 
But there's this whole other debate of recycling is kind of a scam and the things that, I mean, the percentage of things that are actually recycled is so small, which can be a little disheartening. And this isn't me saying like, oh, don't recycle. But I know for me, I'm a little bit of a lazy person when it comes to recycling Mm -hmm. as it is. And that really didn't help me at all knowing that like, it's probably it probably not isn't going to actually be recycled because there it's so specific how things need to be washed and just all of these I things know, and limbs need sad. to be removed and, which is why our decisions yeah. in the first place of what we're consuming and purchasing exactly. should be smarter you know and also exactly. corporations need to make better decisions on the the materials they use so it's just it's not easy and, but it's not, but I, I will say, I know that like sustainability and conscious, whatever, all this stuff, they're such buzzwords, but it's still, I love it that people are actually, even if it's for marketing, whatever the reason is for why brands and corporations are doing it, I still feel like it's such progress. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like it's so great, no matter, you know, people will call out influencers and be like, Ooh, you're just into this now, because it's like trendy or whatever. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what the reason exactly. is. It's just both promoting sustainability. I 100% support it. Yeah. Who cares what the underlying reason is for it? Like, it's still, it's still good, you know, that and also, like, I want to have children that can swim in the same ocean I swam in one day. Like, it's, yes. that's a very real be nice. possibility that that might not happen. So I'm going to do everything I can to stop that. And I just hope people kind of rally with you. And it's beautiful to see what's happening around the world. But it's equally as scary to see how little people give a shit. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's interesting when you talk about it, just the reactions of people. Like a lot of people are just kind of like, oh, like you're such like a hippie. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, oh, like, and I'm like, you, this is a real thing. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's happening. Like you can't deny it. There are facts and statistics and research to back it up. Like it's not just, you know, some made up thing, but I do, I really, cause I, I want to make sure that I talk to you about all the things that I talk to you about. Okay. So I like literally, I have like a little list and I usually don't, but there are so many things I'm like, I really I want to talk that. to you about this. How did your fitness journey start? Because I, if, wait, if you guys don't know Reem, first of all, you need to follow her on Instagram, mm-hmm. Reem Can. She's going to plug it all at the end. Don't worry about it. But this girl has an incredible oh body. God. Like, and in, and you, but that's the thing, like you're taking care of yourself and you look so like, you look so good, but you look so healthy. And I'm just like, how did you get into this fitness routine? Because like, I, I'm such a brat and I never really worked out. And I, my metabolism was just always my friend. And then literally I turned 30 and I swear to God, it was like a fucking joke. <laughs> I just started gaining weight. It was like such a joke. And I was like, what the actual, what's going on? And I started like freaking out and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like I literally don't. And I've always kind of, I eat, I would say pretty like balanced. You know what I mean? Like I love vegetables. I love greens. I really love healthy food, genuinely like crave like celery and like carrots and shit. But like, I also have a sweet tooth. I'm addicted to sugar. It's like my heroin. Like I love sugar. And so I'm trying to get into a fitness routine. And so I've started with like Pilates a couple times a week, but like, I just, I love Pilates so much, but I'm just like, I see you doing all these like training things. And I'm like, how do you get into that? And like, how does, how did you I feel like it's so intimidating, like working out with weights. I don't know. Something about it just seems incredibly intimidating to me. I mean, okay. So when the 2012 
London Olympics happened, um, okay. I remember being just I, the whole of London was completely buzzing, completely, completely buzzing. And I loved the vibe. And I was like, oh my God, like these women are killing it. Like, the GB team yeah. was doing so well. And I remember thinking, and I was a blogger then, and I remember thinking, like, I want, imagine, like, being on a track and, like, hitting a target and doing something and feeling so achieved, you know? Um, so I remember I got in touch with a brand. Um, I don't want to shame them by telling you what happened. <laughs> so I remember thinking, like, Imagine achieving something like running, hitting your goal. Like it just was so great. And I thought, okay, let me get in touch with this brand. I'm not going to name it because I work with them now. But at the time they were very much like, oh, no, thanks. I emailed them saying, listen, like I just got so inspired by the London Olympics and I really want to work out. And I was wondering if you could like support me. How do I start? Like, what do I do? What do I wear? What do you, where do you go? And they didn't really give me any support. They were like, no, thanks. So I went to another brand and that brand was Nike. And I said exactly the same thing. And they said, really, you want to start running? I was like, yeah. They were like, I'm going to email you a zero to 5K worksheet and you can start with that. So I was like, okay. And they were like, and we're going to gear you up. Like we'll give you all the relevant clothing that you need to keep you going. And, you know, it's going to, it's good tech for running or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So I learned how to do a zero to 5k and I was so happy. I was like, Oh my God, I can run 5k. This is amazing. And then when they saw that I was consistent, they were like, you're invited to run this 10k as a Nike friend. And I was like, cool. Like I'm running with Nike. Yeah, so then I was doing like these 10ks around London and going to all these cute little Nike things. And then a year later, they emailed, they messaged me and said, let's go for breakfast. So I was like, okay, go for breakfast with the PR. And she's like, we want you to run a half marathon in San Francisco in six months. And I was like, what? Oh, shit. And they were like, don't worry, we'll get you a trainer, like a Nike master trainer. We'll gear you up. We'll get you a gym membership. You'll be ready. And I was like, no, there's no way I'm running a half marathon <laughs> in San fucking Frisco, San Francisco, where it's yeah. like hills and <laughs> the fog and I don't know what. Yeah. And they were like, yeah. we'll fly you business class. And I was like, oh my God, I've never flown business okay. class. Like, I'm so yeah. down. So actually what was funny is the year before I did the, I don't know if you were following me when I did the Rihanna thing and I was on tour with Rihanna. But there was what? No, I, I, yeah, what? So when Rihanna did her 777 tour and she did like this private plane yeah. and a bunch of people flew around the world. We went to seven different cities in a week. It was amazing. Anyway, there was this girl, Natalie, this woman who I became so close with. She was an editor at um, a big magazine, Elle or Glamour or one of them. And they were like, Natalie's going to do it with you. And I was like, okay, down. Like me and Natalie, we're a vibe. Like we've got this. Like we're going to train together. Yeah. So for six months or three months, I can't remember what it was. They trained me. This was in 2013. And I flew to San Francisco and I ran a fucking half marathon. And I was like, holy shit. Like I am so inspired to continue this. And then, of course, yeah. Virgin um, got in touch after the half marathon and they were like, we want you to do a triathlon. Like we're going to challenge you. We're going to support you. Like come and do the triathlon. I was like, you guys crazy. Like now you want me to cycle and swim. Like there's no way. And then Natalie was like, come on. They asked me to like, we're going to do this together. So it was kind of like women coming together, unionship, just achieving goals, doing things we never thought we would do. I did the triathlon, smashed it, went well, great. I was like, never again. 
And then my <laughs> ex-husband proposed to me that year and I got engaged and I was like, okay, now I need a banging body for a banging dress for my wedding. Yeah. So Jocelyn, yeah. the lady who trained me, the Nike master trainer who trained me for my half, I begged her begged her to PT me and she doesn't do private sessions. So she agreed and she still remains one of my very closest friends. And, um, she started PTing me and she was giving me strength training and teaching me how to lift and teaching me so many things about my body and how my mind is connected to my body. And honestly, I never really clicked any of the mind body connection until this year. Um, and that was a very long time ago. So it takes a while, but my fitness journey yeah. has always been one of challenge and goal setting and constant change. After after yeah. my wedding, I was so happy with my results. Looking back now, I'm like, oh my God, look at my body then. And it's definitely not yeah. my body now, you know? And ever since then, I have just been pushing myself and trying different techniques and trying different workouts and constantly challenging my muscle groups with new workouts to just change and shift and lean and tone. And now my biggest goal is strength. And I just want to be strong. I just want to like lift things. I want to like punch people. (laughs) I want to like get in a ring and if I need to, you know, like if I need, I want to like be a boxer. I want to be a runner. I want to be a gymnast. I want to be so much. And of course that's, you know, not going to happen right now, but in Lebanon over the say. summer, I started boxing and I fucking loved it. And I, I've heard such great things about boxing. I've also heard that it's like a gnarly workout. So like, it's not just like, yeah, it's not just like, ooh, I'm going to be like, you know, punch. It's like you're sweating. Yeah. So when I, I moved to Dubai um, and I used my sister's trainer for a few months, didn't really love it. So I went off a PT and I just did Pilates for three months, three times a week, Mm -hmm. nothing else eating regularly. And my body was so thankful for the Pilates. Like my body loved the Pilates, but then I was like, okay, now my body's not really changing anymore because the muscles are comfortable with the challenge and it's not really doing anything. So then I got my sister's PT Tarek and he and I have like, my sister and I started training together kind of because it was cheaper and we could just spend more time together. And then I was like, listen, babe, yeah. we're best friends. We work together. We share a car. We have the same friends. Like <laughs> we live together. Uh, I think I want to do a separate training session too. She was like, what? Like, you don't want to train with me? I was like, yeah, I think we need to separate. Yeah. And also we had <laughs> completely different goals when it comes to our bodies. So I can't do the same things she's doing because it's not going to do anything for me. So me and Tarek have this little mission. I train with him three times a week with lifting and getting my body ready to lift heavier and heavier. I really want to build muscles and, um, and on the weekends or my rest days, I go into a class with friends on the weekend, or I just go to the gym by myself and do something. So I'm obsessed with it. It's like my actual therapy. I love it so, so much. It releases so much tension, so much anger. I'm yeah. learning now how to just switch off during my session. So I used to be really bad, like emailing in between my rests and just. It's so, it's tempting, so tempting when your phone is right there and you see it and you're like, I could just respond to yeah. this real and, quick. And then I'm like, no. I don't do that anymore. I'll story, but I'm not going to lie. And I save them and I post them <laughs> later because people genuinely yeah. really love it, I think. And so, yeah. um, 
it's it's just been a journey, but I haven't stopped since 2013 when they started me off. Wow. It was 2012, and I love it. I really, really love it, and I highly recommend it because I feel like every woman should have strength. Skinniness is not the goal at all. It's yeah. about strength and mobility and being comfortable in your own body and your own skin and understanding it, you know, and not everyone has the same muscle mass. They don't have the same skeleton. Like you need to understand that people's abs are formed differently. Some people might not even show abs just because of genetics. Like it's all very different. And with social media, you know, you're portraying so much perfection all the time. You're seeing so much perfection all the time and people face tune the shit out of their bodies. They get fillers and this and lifts and I don't know what. And that's great. Like anyone can do whatever they want on face tune. They can do whatever they want with injections. Like I am all for it. Like if that makes you happy. But for me, I was like, I kind of want to see if I can do it alone. (laughs) Just like in a natural way. Yeah. And yeah, you can, you can. So you, and, and it's so interesting because yeah like I was saying like I I I would do yoga like here and there like I always loved a good like stretch you know what I mean like I love to stretch but I never really got into working out until you know recently when I like I said I just my body started looking different and it's not like I'm like oh my god I look terrible it's just like uh, it's so weird. Like I've, I feel very out of control of my body and I've never experienced this before. I'm like, my clothes aren't fitting the way they used to. And like, what the fuck is going on? It's very like jarring. You know what I mean? Like I, for a while I was just like telling my sister, like, I don't know. I just feel very out of control. Like I don't eat that terribly. And I realized I'm like, your body needs to move. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to be like super overweight or something to work exactly. out. Like you, everyone should work out. 100%. And so Um, so I, I started going to Pilates and and I love it so much. Like literally I, like you were saying, like my body just feels really strong while I'm doing it. Like, I feel like very in control of it. Like it's really nice. And also I'm noticing that I'm sleeping better and just, I don't know, my day just is better whenever I work out. And like, I started with just two classes a week and I was telling my sister, I'm like, I want to go like like five days a week. Like, I love it. It's so nice. It goes by so quickly. And like, it's something that I'm excited about. Like on the days that I'm going to Pilates, I'm like, Ooh, I'm really excited. And so, because it feels like an achievement and you're, when you start seeing results, not even in terms of aesthetics, but with strength, you're like, Whoa, what else can I do? Like when I could lift a heavier weight and it wasn't going to, you know, floor me, I was like, Whoa, like, I didn't know I could lift that. I didn't know I could pull myself up like that. Like it's addictive and you just feel this need to see what else you can do, you know? And that's exactly how I feel because now I'm just kind of like, because I've gone to cycle a few times with my sister. I mean, I was terrified of her, but it was, it was interesting, but I was like, I I don't really get it. Like, but now I'm like, I kind of want to go to cycle with you now. Like I kind of want to start incorporating that too, because that also like your legs are just doing the most, your core is doing so much in those classes. And I'm like, I want to kind of see what else my body is capable of doing. And, and it's also just, it's so, cause I haven't actually seen like any like physical changes in my body. Like, cause I haven't been doing it for long enough. And also like, it's fine. But like, I just feel really good. Like, it's really just like kind of mentally, I feel really, really good. And 
Exactly. And I feel like I haven't seen any results, but I feel really good. But like, I can also now understand why people feel discouraged because when, when you're working out, you want to see results, you know what I mean? But you can't go in with that focus. Yeah. It's, it's, and like, I'm really happy with the kind of results in the sense of like my energy levels, like how I feel every day. Like I just feel a little bit better. And also like your body, I swear to God, my body craves nutritious mm-hmm. things more than anything else now. Like I'm noticing my cravings are changing a little bit. And like, again, I'm still addicted to sugar. So I still want sugar all yeah. the time, but I, I just wake up and I'm not like, if someone has like a cookie or something, I'm still gonna, you know, go for the oatmeal because I don't know, my body is just like, give me some yeah, fruit, give well, me some oatmeal. Jocelyn taught me something when I was training with her so many years ago. And she, I asked her, I was like, cause I was obsessed with food and I was like, but what do you yeah. eat? Cause I was, I knew why I was obsessed with food. Cause I was guilty because I was eating like shit and I didn't want to yeah. stop, you know? And, and so I'd be like, but what do you eat? Is this bad? She was like, listen, I eat things. I treat food as fuel. And if I'm training the next day, I eat according to that. And I swear to God, Nora, I haven't realized what she meant until this year. Like now I'm like the night before training is, did I get enough carbs? Did I get enough protein? Did I get enough fiber? Did I get enough this? Did I get enough that? That's how I treat my meals. Like they're all delicious. They're all equally as satisfying, but I'm treating it as nutrition and fuel for my body to help me thrive the next day. And that's not just in the gym. That's for my work. That's to see my friends. It's enough energy to like sit on the phone with my mom for an hour. Like it's for everything. Like food should be taken seriously and you should be reaping the rewards from what you put into your mouth. And even with alcohol, like I don't, I've never been like an excessive drinker. I only actually started drinking I think around when I was 30, like again, um, yeah, cause I didn't drink when I was with my ex for a really long time. And then, but I've never been like, Oh, let's get crazy. And I don't yeah. crave like a glass of wine or anything, but even with alcohol, like weirdly after my Mykonos trip in July, end of July, I haven't really drank that much alcohol and I love the effect it's had on me. I am yeah. not water retained. I don't feel like shit. I'm not puffy. Like it's the most useless thing you can put into your body. <laughs> like it has zero nutrition <laughs> whatsoever and it does nothing for you. So because of my knowledge of that, I treat it as a 100% cheat and treat, you know, like if I'm not yeah. training the next day, if I have nothing to do the next day and I don't give a shit about looking lean and clean, then I'll yeah. have my tequila on the rocks, you know? I feel like if you're going to, like, those are like, you know, a little things. bit of tequila. Yeah, yeah, not- yeah I, I do think that alcohol is also like a huge thing for a lot of people because it really is kind of just a lot it's of empty calories. Yeah. Taking yeah. my sugar addiction, that's what it feels like, is insane. Like, whenever I, like, go a few days without any refined sugar... I am a huge bitch. Like it's literally, I, I quit smoking and I was fine, but like sugar, I can't seem to kick it. And I'm like, literally cigarettes are like probably one of the most addictive things. And I was able to quit smoking cigarettes, but sugar, I can't kick it. Like, it's just, it's people don't realize just how much sugar is in everything. You know, I will tell you that's one advantage of being plant-based is I barely, barely had sugar because 
by default, you're staying away from so much shit because a lot of things with sugar have eggs or butter. And so you are not really eating those things. And now the majority of my glucose comes from natural sugars like fruits, um, like raw cacao, like I eat honey. I know that might be blasphemous as a vegan, but it's like, Oh in my yeah. It's very, it's a very hot topic yeah, I mean, for a lot of vegans. I mean, I, it's, it's, I guess it's because of the reasons of my veganism. Like I'm yes. not like yes. saving every animal, but also it doesn't, the bees yeah. make the honey. That's what they want to do. That's yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. And then they do nothing with the honey. So we have to <laughs> eat the honey. Like it's fine. And I genuinely believe it's like a gift from God. And it's good for you. <laughs> That's what they want. And it's healthy. It cures diseases. I'm going to eat honey. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel like when you're plant-based, you're default staying away from so much bad shit in terms of sugar. I think that that might be a special thing that's happening in Dubai because in, let me tell you all of the desserts I eat are vegan. (laughs) Like literally because there's a donut shop right next to my house where they have soft serve ice cream. That's vegan and it's fucking delicious. And I, it's, I, it's crack. And then they have vegan donuts and because they're vegan, they're very light. Mm. So you're like, Ooh, this is so light. Like it's not heavy, but like it's full of sugar. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, but it feels light because there's no dairy yeah. and there's no egg. And you're making me crave a donut. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like my downfall is vegan desserts. But yeah, I just, I, I do think that like follow you on Instagram though. You, you have such a healthy approach to like fitness and everything. And it, it is inspiring. And I've never felt inspired by anyone posting workout content. Like, I'm not even just saying I this like dead that. ass, like, I'm just like, I don't know, like, the, I feel like people do it in such an unattainable way sometimes. And I feel like it's just a part of your daily routine. And it's not the only thing that you focus on. And you do so many other things that it just seems like this great addition to your oh, life. It is. And I'm so happy it comes across that way. But I also think maybe it's because I'm not a fitness expert and I'm not a PT and I'm not like an athlete. Yeah. So I don't think it's intimidating. And if I can do it, anyone can do it, you know? And you're very, I feel like open about it, about like your progress and stuff like that. And I think that that's really nice too, to just kind of see that. And I see you sometimes, you know, you eat, you know, you're not just eating like greens no, all the time. You eat not. other things. And yeah, so it's really nice to kind of see that you have this balance and also like I I'm such a creeper stalker but like your mom like health by Huda like I'm just like I want to eat everything oh, yeah, that she it's makes. So good. It's so so good. I just also feel like having that kind of in your life in your family like your mom being focused on like nutrition and stuff like that. I feel like it's so it's so nice to have these things and I feel like as I was growing up I I didn't even realize what a difference it makes, but my parents always kind of made me eat a lot of fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables. And so like, I love it. I crave it. And people thought it was so I know, weird. I know. It's, it's, it, that I had the same thing with a lot of my like British friends because they wouldn't even know what like an asparagus was until they were like 26 or something. So yeah. it's definitely in our culture, I think to 
be introduced to a wide array of natural foods. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Like cucumbers with breakfast is just like standard. Like you have to have a cucumber with your breakfast and people are like, why are you just eating a cucumber right now? And I'm like, cucumbers are delicious and crunchy. (laughs) And now I, and now I literally want a cucumber so bad. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And the last thing I kind of want to talk about is you went skydiving today. What the actual fuck? Okay. So I have, I have done it before. I did it. Oh, yeah, what? I did it a few years ago um, when I was like doing like a press trip with Dubai tourism. They were like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know, skydive, I guess. And they were like, okay. I was like, oh, fuck. I didn't actually think they were going to do it. So I went <laughs> skydiving many years ago. And then yesterday I leave the gym. I get a phone call and it's the PR for Adidas. And they were like, Hey Reem, like we've just designed this super cool sneaker with like NASA. And it's all about like saying goodbye to gravity. Like, do you want to, do you want the sneaker? I'm like, cool. Sounds great. She's like, okay, you got to jump yeah. off the plane. I'm like, what? So I was like, you know what? I'm in a place currently where I feel like I need to let go of a lot of things. And I don't mind the physical challenge of putting mind over matter. And I spoke a little, a teeny weeny bit about this on one of my frames on stories. Like when I posted about it, I was like, I'm most excited to let go of my fear or control my fear and practice what Jocelyn always taught me, which was mind over matter. Like you can literally do anything you want if you put your mind to it. Um, since yesterday I've known I was going to do it. I said yes on a whim, didn't tell anyone, told my parents while I was driving there today. And then, um, (laughs) I was shitting myself. I'm not going to lie. Last night I was like, fuck, fuck. Like, I can't believe I've just gone and like accepted doing something that's going to give me so much anxiety. And then I was like, just don't think of it like that. You know, just don't even think of it at all. So I woke up this morning, had breakfast with a client and my sister didn't think about it and then drove to the place. My sister was like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and wait for like an hour. So I'm just going to go home. I was like, ah, okay. And she left me and I was like, you can, you've got this. You're fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And I did, I just jumped off a plane and it was honestly the most freeing feeling in the world. You can't hear anything when you're free falling you just kind of hear the sound of your own breath it's kind of like you know when you're underwater and you can hear your own breath yeah which I love I love that feeling yeah and I was saying like I was saying things I was having I was doing affirmations and I was like living every single second because you have nothing else to do but realize the moment you're in and it was the closest I've been to enlightenment um and it was the closest I've experienced living in the moment so I would highly recommend it if you can you know battle a fear of heights or a fear of jumping out of a fucking plane then I would highly highly recommend it um just for the mental challenge and the physical challenge and the beauty of being above things <laughs> like I don't know how to explain it we're not above the earth we're still obviously in earth but um seeing everything and just flying and falling and it, it was the most freeing thing so it was a great day like it's so wild that as you're talking about it like I feel sick to my stomach <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure like I'm sure. you're talking about it you're like it's amazing and I'm like I want 
to yeah. be sick everywhere. Like I don't like I don't like the sensation of dropping. Right. Like I'll always tell people I'm not scared of roller coasters. I just don't like the sensation. But I genuinely really hate the sensation yeah. of dropping. Like when when there's a drop, like everyone is like, ooh, adrenaline rush. I'm like, oh my God, I want yeah, to die. I mean, like that's how I feel. Don't do it. Um, yeah, no, 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 would never, <laughs> literally would never. But I think for other people, even though I'm such a hypocrite, because my niece, who I feel like I always have to preface, she's an adult, she's not a child, she's 24. <laughs> because when you say niece, people always envision a three year old, but she wants to go skydiving so badly, and I won't let her. But you can't do that, Nor, because that's her, that's her <laughs> capability, you know? It's- it's like the one thing, like, I don't know, something about it scares the shit out of me. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I feel like something bad's going to happen. I'm like, I don't want, and she's like, nothing bad is going to happen. I'm like, I just jumping out of a plane to me just sounds like, the. I know people can do it safely, yeah. but it's like the one thing that I've ever told her, please don't do this for my own sanity. But maybe I'll tell her to go, maybe I'll tell her to jump out of a plane. You Who knows? Know. She's probably listening to this and she's probably just booked it. She also wants to swim with sharks though. So she's just no, insane. But you see, these things are great because I, I'm ter- I used to be terrified of the ocean. I used to be terrified of sharks. And now I'm like, I want to do that. I want to face every single fear that I have always only ever had because of overthinking it. And on my yeah. way, I was stuck in traffic. I was going to be late. I was making everyone else late by being late. I was like, maybe this is a sign. Like, maybe <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this. And then I just kept thinking, like, I'm creating nothing, something out of nothing. And that in itself yeah. is a challenge for me to stop doing because I am an infamous, like, overthinker. And I spoil yeah. good things by being like, nope, you're going to fuck this up. So out you go, get out my yeah. life. Like I don't even wait for them to, you know, even with guys, like I don't even wait for them to end it. I end it. Like I'm like, well, this is done. <laughs> you're like anticipating yes. the shittiness. You're like, this is going to be shitty. Yeah, I'm done. Exactly. I don't, I'm not waiting around for it to happen. Just yeah. part of the skydive today, everything being stuck in traffic, walking in, like being nice to everyone. Like it just, it's all part of a bigger picture. And for me, that is like overcoming overthinking. It's overcoming fear. It's letting go. It's just yeah. trusting in the magic of things happening for a reason. And I just was like, well, listen, if I make it on time, then I'm supposed to jump. If I don't, then I'm not. You yeah. know, like it's as easy as that. So I feel like if your niece wants to do these things, she should. Like, if you're listening, niece, Lily, go do it. <laughs> it yeah. <laughs> Lily, if you're listening, you can jump out of a plane now. <laughs> the whole time it was like a real paradox because I was like this is so wonderful I'm living in the moment and then you've got this other guy like free diving with a camera and he's like waving at you like look at me look in the lens smile 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 like we're taking pictures and footage of this and I'm like I'm supposed to be living in the fucking moment here guys like get out my face yeah. with this camera yeah. and GoPro like bye but yeah you're like I'm not participating in this I'm I'm <laughs> living my life right now you can take whatever pictures you want that's the other thing is like how would you even like stop to pose for a picture is your face just completely being like fucking vacuum attacked by gravity yes, yes it is so I am not looking for it Adidas like would you post this on your feed I'm like listen honey if you can magically get rid of a triple chin, then fine. But otherwise, like, forget it. So we'll see. It's like the ultimate facelift, though. Like, all of your skin is really just, yeah. it's really up there. Yeah. Um, but this has been so nice talking to amazing. you. I 
This has been so fun. Where can people follow you online? Where can they follow Ego and Ease? Um, they can follow me on Instagram, Reem Kanj. Uh, that's R-E-E-M-K-A-N-J. And then our company, Ego and East, um, is also on Instagram. So I really hope to hear from some of you guys and keep the conversation going. And thank you so, so much for having me. It's been the most fun, the best Thursday, Friday night for me. Oh my God. Thank you so much for doing this. And as always, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Nor E and you can follow the podcast at Arab American Psycho. And I will talk to you psychos next week. Bye.